0: Ladies and gentlemen, I just saw a red flag list, and one of them was has abs. Yes, has abs. I am sorry if my metabolism is on point. Anyways, Pablo Chemix, Chuck D, bring the noise. On the Fifth M podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Yep. Has abs has abs I could I couldn't believe that reading that. It made me laugh so hard. I just, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was just like, how what kind of what kind of random shit is that y- so okay seriously guys let's be let's be real for a second right like has abs aside okay right what is your red flag list right i feel like most people have some sort of you know some sort of uh what's the word um so, you yeah, some sort of list in their heads, maybe not concrete, right, but there's some things about certain, about people that you're attracted, that you want to be, that you're looking at, you know what I mean, want to be attracted to, right, and, uh, you know, maybe looks wise, they're fine, damn, they look bad, right, and then they do sign, they're just, oh, 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 you know what I mean, they, they just stops you in your track, you're like, oh I don't know about that chief like you know, there, there's there's a lot of them that I, I feel like most people have like at least 10 like solid red flags you know um I've hit people up and I've asked them about it and uh they, they a, a lot of I mean a lot of the women are saying certain names which is very fascinating I was, one of them said uh anybody named Sean I was like Damn, <laughs> or any like in any and any spelling of Sean, so S H A W N, S E A N, right? Yeah, any of those, right? I was, I was like, damn, well, Sean hurt you? Fuck, like, did you get hurt? Like, while you were listening to, uh, <laughs> Sean Paul's temper- temperature? <laughs> I'm saying, like, fuck, who hurt you? Shit. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I find that a bit chur- churlish. Not gonna lie, a little bit churlish. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel like most people have a red flag, have red flags, right? You know, genuine white red flags. I'm trying to think of a proper one, actually. Um, I think for me, one big red, well, actually, you know what? Easy red flag, astrology, astrology, big red flag, big red flag, like, cause it's not just the astrology bit, right? It's, it's not just that, right? I can, I can get over, right, astrology in the, in, in its, in a, in a, if it's just that, right, and they're into it, right, fine, fine, I can live with it, but most of the time when it comes to astrology, right, if they're into astrology, that means they're into a lot of other things that pertain around it, you know what I mean, and that just gets, and that's that's a deep, that that's a deep hole that you step into. Okay, that's a deep hole. There's the astrology hole, right? And then there's just when when you go in there, you're like, oh shit, this is deeper than I thought. You know what I mean? So there are some people, there are some girl. You know what I mean? There, there's some girl. I'm I'm sure you know. just oh Aquarius don't do that. You know what I mean? There, there, I'm sure there's a lot of them that do that, right? But then there's like you know they're, they're asking for you not just your birthday, but the time you were born. There's that, and then they get into the the twelve houses stuff. You know what I mean? That, 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 that's red flagging. That's red flagging. If you, if you, if you, you know, read horoscopes, I'm not bothered, okay, right? But when you get deep into that, you you're talking about houses to me, and you're talking about uh 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 your rising. St- oh, doo- ooh, ooh, ooh do 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 out no done sorted. I'm pa- here's the, here's the bill for my drink. I am out. Deuces, okay? <laughs> have a nice life. Not good do it. You know what I mean? Just when it gets to that point, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, 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 no. Anyway, let's get into the show. <laughs> I could talk about that all day. Um, so, I have two, uh, two life. Film and TV is uh, music formats before we begin email to the IG discord link all that all that all that in the full show notes please go peep the articles for yourself and support the writers and make this show possible and with that said let the music let the beat drop and let's get to the show In a week where it's UK Black History Month. And as you guys know, um, oh, as you might know, um, it's a little, you know, just a little tip. Um, go go peep that digging in digits in the full show notes right there. Go look, give that a little quick swipe down a little bit. Click that digging digits. We are doing, me and Ben, are, are my co host, are doing UK BHM uh, special retrospectives um, covering UK black artists uh, throughout the month of October. We just dropped an episode uh, dedicated to money love. Uh, money love or money love? How do you, uh, money love, probably money love. And uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's one. Of, it's it's one of my favorite episodes of the year. Um, I just guessed all over that. It was it was glorious. Um, and yeah, we've got some uh, good, you know, recently, reasonably popular names coming through uh, the pipeline in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned on that front. Uh, but yes, yeah, Black History Month. But as you guys know, on this show, it's Black History every month. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do that every month, every episode if I can, okay? So, you know, I'm not going to do anything special. But I do have saying at the end, um, in the film and TV segment, coming through. This, um, you know, re- reasonably decent, uh, I-, I think a really nice little snippet of Black History. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and just a name that I don't think anybody has heard of and I feel like you guys should, um, so that'll be, that'll be quite cool to cover. Uh, what else we got here? We have Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Super Bowl Halftime Show. I'm here for that. Um, I kinda, is there any, is there any petition to make that just a three hour show, Um, because half an hour is not enough. Half an hour is not enough for those absolute fucking rock stars, bruv. Absolutely absurd that they're going to get half an hour between them. Joke. Joke, Ting. Make it a three-hour show. Bin the Super Bowl together. I don't think... I feel like most people care. Most of the time, people care. More people care about the halftime show than the actual game itself. Let's be real. Let's be real. Okay, let's be real. So, I'm just saying, if there's a petition out there, throw it to me. I will sign it. Uh, Rapper Nines has been sentenced to 28 months in prison for importing 28 kilograms of cannabis into the UK from Spain and Poland. How the hell that dude got only 28 months is beyond me. Shout out to his fucking law team. Jesus. Uh, UK government plans to curb climate protesters with fines and six-month jail sentences. Instead of you know, the, getting them, I um, maybe like, I don't know, get them in a room, you know, talk to them about their concerns, that you know is very prevalent. But here we are. Um, and lastly, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp crash for several hours. What a glorious day that was! Um, Apparently, the highest, uh, the highest uh, usage rate, um, the hu- highest usage numbers uh, for Twitter uh, at that time. So, Twitter had a fun day, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but yeah, we begin. The episodes with a uh, life, a uh, uh, first of two life uh, segments, and uh, this is all about the Pandora Papers. Um, so, I don't know if you guys remember, I did a, the. I, I don't know which one I did. It might have been the Panama. Oh, was it on here? It might be on the Student Radio Show. Well, it's 2016, so it must have been on the Student Radio Show. Um, I either did the Panama Papers or the Paradise Papers. Um, I don't know if I did it on this particular iteration of the show. But I know I've done it in Moscow before. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's, um, it's something I've kept up with. And uh, we have more. This is the biggest ever leak of offshore data. Um, it just says in the title, Pandora Papers, biggest ever <laughs> leak of offshore data exposes financial secrets of rich and powerful. Um, this is by a, a big-ass team, uh, so it literally says Guardian Investigations Team by The Guardian. So, um, um you know, let me drop the names because I feel like they resp- they should they should get their respect on this front. So shout out to Simon Goodley, Harry Davies, uh, Luke Harding, Juliet Garcia, David Conn, David Pegg, uh, Paul Lewis, Kaelin Barr. Uh, my, uh, I keep tripping up. I'm going to say that. Rowena Mason, uh, Pamela Duncan in London, Ben Butler and Ann Davis in Sydney, Dominic Rush in New York, Andrew Roth in Moscow, Helena Smith in Athens. Uh, Michael Safi in Lebanon, and Robert Tate in Prague. Shout out to all of them, and shout out to just, you know, shout out to journalism in general, man, because this is absolutely crazy to think about. So uh, this is a Guardian version. There's, uh, you know, I'm sure Washington Post, I think, has done one. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of outlets to go about uh, if, you, if you have a preference. Um, but, yeah, I'm just going to read the Guardian one because it's the first one I saw. And, uh, yeah, so let's just jump right in, man. Let's jump right in because this shit is important. There are plenty of names coming across... Um, many of these articles that you uh, that you may not know, or you do know, uh, or you don't know, and they have something to do with people you do know. Um, so I, I find it he- heller important to me. Uh, but, you know, why are you listening if you don't think it's re- of relative importance? But anyway, let's let's give you a read. The secret deals and hidden assets of some of the richest, world's richest and most powerful have been revealed in the biggest trove of leaked offshore data in history. Branded the Pandora Papers, the cachet includes 11.9 million files from companies hired by wealthy clients to create offshore structures and trusts in tax havens such as Panama, Dubai, Monaco, Switzerland, and the Cayman Islands. They expose the secret offshore affairs of 35 world leaders, including current and former presidents, prime ministers, and heads of state, one of which uh, uh, Tony and Cherie Blair just going to throw that out there. Um, they also shine a light on the secret finances of more than 300 other public officials such as government ministers, judges, mayors and military generals in more than 90 countries. Their files include disclosures about major donors to the Conservative Party, raising difficult questions for Boris Johnson as his party meets for its annual conference, which is going on as I, uh, I think Boris Johnson had a speech today as I record on the Wednesday. Uh, more than 100, billion, 100 billionaires uh, featured in the leaked data, as well as celebrities, rock stars, and business leaders. Uh, many use shell companies to hold luxury items such as property and yachts. I say I, I yachts, say yes, I don't know why. It sound, I should say yachts, but I say yachts, I don't know why. Yachtists, um, as well as incognito bank accounts. There is even uh, art ranging from looted Cambodian antiquities, Uh, to paintings by Picasso and murals by Banksy. Fascinating. Uh, The Pandora Papers reveal the inner workings of what is a shadow financial world, providing a rare window into the hidden operations of a global offshore economy that enables some of the world's richest people to hide their wealth and in some cases pay little or no tax. Uh, There are emails, memos, incorporation records, share certificates, compliance reports, and complex diagrams showing labyrinth... labyrinthine labyrinthine, is that a word? Damn. Uh, Corporate structures. Uh, Often they allow the true owners of opaque shell companies to be identified for the first time. The files were leaked to the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, ICIJ, uh, in Washington. It shared access to the leaked data with select media partners, uh, including The Guardian, Uh, BBC Panorama, Le Monde, and the Washington Post. More than 600 journalists have sifted through the files as part of a massive global investigation. The Pandora uh, Papers represent the latest and largest in terms of data volume in a series of major leaks of financial data that have convulsed the offshore uh, world since uh, 2013. Setting up or benefiting... Uh, from offshore entities is itself is not itself illegal, and in some cases people may have legitimate reasons, such as security, for doing so. Uh, but the secrecy offered by tax havens has at times proven attractive to tax evaders, fraudsters, and money launderers, some of whom are exposed in the files. Uh, they have a little uh, addition, a little little history lesson uh, pertaining to the Panama Papers, which was. Uh, Consisted of 2.6 terabytes of data leaked from the law firm Mossack Fonseca. Uh, Paradise Papers, which was uh, uh, most of which were provided from the offshore provider Applebee, uh, which was found in Bermuda. In total, that cache considered 1.4 terabytes of data. And the Pandora Papers is 2.94 terabytes of data. Um, So, yeah, look, and and there's 14 locations actually pertaining to it. So, several locations, not just like one firm or whatever. Uh, ranging from Vietnam to Belize and Singapore and the far-flung archipelagos uh, such as the Bahamas and the Seychelles. Uh, other wealthy individuals and companies stash their assets offshore to avoid paying tax elsewhere. Illegal activity estimated to cost c- governments billions in lost revenues, which is interesting thinking about uh, when you think about, um, like, last week there was a little headline saying the US is running out of money. Um, I don't know what they mean by that, if they, you know, because obviously... That, how, how does that? How does a country loo- run of money? But uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, after more than eighteen months uh, analyzing the data in the public interest, the Guardian and other media outlets will publish their findings over the coming days. Obviously, you can go look for that for yourselves. Uh, beginning with revelations about uh, about the offshore financial affairs of some of the what, some of the most powerful political leaders in the world, they include. The ruler of Jordan, King Abdullah II, who leaked documents reveal, has amassed a secret $100 million property empire spanning Malibu, Washington, and London. The king declined to to answer specific questions, but said there would be uh, nothing improper about him owning properties via offshore offshore companies. Jordan appeared to have blocked the ICIJ website on Sunday, hours before the Pandora Papers launched. (laughs) Oh, well, well, well why, why would you block it if you have nothing to hide? Hmm, interesting. Um if, if you want the people, why don't you want the people to peep, peep this? Hmm, I don't know. Um, the files also show that Azerbaijan's ruling Aliyev family has traded close to 400 million pounds of UK property in recent years. Uh, one of their properties was sold to the Queen's Crown Estate, which is now looking into how it came to pay 67 million pounds to a company that operated as a front for the family that runs a country uh, routinely accused of corruption. The Aliyevs uh, declined to comment. The Pandora Papers also threatened to cause political upsets for two European Union leaders. The Prime Minister of the Czech Republic, Andrzej Babis, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, who is up for election this week, is facing questions over why he used an offshore of investment company to acquire a $22 million chateau In the south of France, he, too, declined to comment. And in Cyprus, in itself a controversial offshore offshore centre, the president... Oh, God. Nikos Anastasiades... uh, uh, Anastasiades... It's it's the Asia bit. It's Anastasia... Anastasiades... Anastasiades? I'm going to go with that. Uh, May be asked to explain why a law firm he founded was accused of hiding the assets of a controversial Russian billionaire behind fake company owners. The firm denies any wrongdoing, while the Cypriot president says he ceased uh, having an active role in its affairs after becoming leader of the opposition in 97. Uh, not everyone named in the Pandora Papers is accused of wrongdoing. Uh, the leak files reveals that Tony Cherie Blair, oh there you go, saved uh, £312,000 in property taxes when they purchased a London building partially owned by the family of a prominent Bahraini uh, minister. The former prime minister and his wife bought the £6.5 million pound office in Marleybone uh, by acquiring a British, uh, BVI British Virgin Islands offshore company. Uh, while the move was not illegal, there is no evidence. Uh, The Blair's party sought to avoid property taxes. The deal highlights a loophole that has enabled wealthy property owners to not pay a tax that is commonplace for ordinary Britons. So it's not legal, but it kind of should. Fun how funny how life works, isn't it? UK Ukraine's president. Fucking all these names. Vladimir Zelensky, uh, who was elected in 2019 on a pledge to clean up his country's notoriously corrupt and oligarch-influenced economy, is also named in the league. Yay! During the campaign, Zelensky transferred his 25% stake in an offshore company to a close friend who now works as the president's top advisor, the fast chest. Zelensky declined to comment, as it is unclear uh, if he remains a beneficiary. The Russian President Vladimir oh, Putin. Ah, Poots, come on, Poots, what you got here? Um, whom the U.S. suspects of having a secret fortune does not appear in the files by name, but numerous close associates do, including his best friend from childhood, the late Peter Colbin or Peter Colbin, uh, whom critics have called a wallet. <laughs> Literally a quote-unquote wallet uh, for Putin's own wealth. And a woman uh, the Russian leader was allegedly once romantically involved with. And none responded to the invitation to comment. No, you really? Well, one of them's dead, so you know, I'm not surprised on that. Uh, the Pandora Papers also place a revealing spotlight on the offshore system itself in a development likely to prove embarrassing for U.S. President Joe Biden, uh, who, has placed to, who has pledged to lead efforts uh, internationally to bring transparency to the global financial system. U.S. emerges from the leak as a leading tax haven. Uh, the file suggests the state of South Dakota, in particular, is sheltering billions of dollars in wealth linked to individuals previously accused of serious financial crimes." The offshore trail also stretches from Africa to Latin America to Asia and is likely to pose difficult questions for politicians across the world. In Pakistan, Munis Elahi uh, a prominent minister and Prime Minister Imran Khan's government contacted an offshore provider in Singapore about investing $33.7 million. In Kenya, the president Uhuru Kenyatta has portrayed himself as an enemy of corruption. In 2018, he told the BBC, quote, Every public servant's assets must be declared publicly so that people can question and ask, what is legitimate, unquote? He will come under pressure to explain why he and his close relatives have uh, amassed more than $30 million of offshore wealth, including property in London. Glorious. Just just glorious. I I love when that happens. Kenyatta did not respond to inquiries about whether his family wealth was declared to to relevant authorities in Kenya. The Pandora Papers also reveal some of the unseen repercussions of previous offshore leaks which spurred modest reforms in some parts of the world such as the BVI, which now keeps a record of the real owners of companies registered there. However, the newly leaked data shows money shifting around offshore destinations as wealthy clients and their advisors adjust to new realities. Some clients of Mossack Fonseca, uh, the now defunct law firm at the heart of the 2016 Panama paper disclosures, simply transferred their companies to rival providers such as another global trust and corporate administrator with a major office in London whose data is in the new trove of leaked files. I love it. I love how they um I love how they could just shift their shit around. You know what I mean? It's just it, it's it's glorious, it's glorious. Um I've got a couple more paragraphs here, but I've gone a uh, I've gone a few a bit over, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. Um there is a few more uh paragraphs if you guys want to get into the bottom of it. And uh you know, on top of that there's so many there are so many uh pieces to to nibble on here. Um just a couple of headlines uh via the guardian here. Uh, EU blacklist on tax haven brand is a joke uh uh duh-duh-duh. how artifacts linked to indicted dealer ended up in Australian galleries uh I don't know like nine countries launch investigations into pandora papers uh kremlin dismisses dismisses the claims Tory facing calls to return cash from donors uh the south Dakota bit yeah there's, there's so many there are so many this is it's, it's crazy so uh you know if you guys want to if you want to nibble on that go ahead and nibble on it Uh, i encourage you to honestly Um, there's so many uh, so much uh, interesting uh you know just little items there to do uh, maybe to do with your country who knows um i know You know, I don't want to say I have a global audience because that just implies I'm like reaching millions of people. But I'm global in the terms of like, you know, people listen in certain countries. I'm not sure how many, but, you know, it's at least one person in several countries. Let's just say that. So um, if you're that one person uh, in, I don't know, Kenya or uh, Russia or Azerbaijan or, you know, Czech Republic, either way, uh, wherever you are. It may pertain to you in some way, and, uh, you know, you, you guys deserve that knowledge of what your leaders are doing, and, uh, you know, I am I'm the same way. Um, fuck the Tory government, straight up, so, uh, but you're, you, you guys I already are. knew that, so, uh, yeah. That's, um, that's the Pandora Papers, and I'm sure that will continue to reverberate, hopefully, in the, the coming months. So, move into music and uh if you guys know me um i am my music journey especially um i've had a you know a a, a little bit of a gripe uh, pertaining to some albums and uh why uh, they are uh, the, the 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 length they are um you know m- most of the time it comes across uh, in the in the way of uh, this album is way too long uh, this should not be 20 tracks long. You know, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, there are also albums that are have been incredibly short. And that pisses me off in another way. Um, in the way of, uh, that's not an album. That's an EP. Uh, but they cast as an album, so... I can't cry about it, I guess, but here we are. I gripe regardless. Let's be real. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, and I read the I, I peeped this uh, article. Uh, it's by Adam Aziz via the undefeated. And um, I, I actually it made me think about it because I I never really thought about you know the 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 back and forth between you know an album that is absurdly long, um you know because that's what streaming did. Um, but it literally says here: streaming made tracklist longer. Will TikTok reverse that trend? And I was just thinking about: I was just like, raw. Oh, yeah, there is a reason for albums to be short as well as long. So why don't we all just coalesce and go for the perfect thirty to forty-five minutes? Shall we? Let's let's just just do that. Let's let's do that. Um, but the world is not um, the world is not my oyster apparently. So uh, yeah, let's get into this uh, article because it's just fascinating to me. Um, When MC uh, Vince Staples released his self-titled fourth album this summer, the introspective project continued Staples' path as a picture painter with vivid lyrics about his upbringing in Long Beach, California. The most surprising aspect of the album was how short it was. Only 10 songs clocking in at just over 20 minutes in length. (coughs) EP. um, And with a singular producer and Kenny Beats, the album harked back to a golden era of rap when shorter albums were commonplace and quality was prioritised over quantity. Okay, I want to pause there because I feel like I, I don't know what this era of rap we're we're talking about because you know I've listened to a lot of albums you know over the years um, you know going back into history and stuff like that and uh, I'm not see I'm I'm barely I'm not seeing many albums uh, under fifty minutes I'm just not I'm just not I don't know when this era was I want to know what this era was for some people like honestly give me a hip give me a hip hop album of note. And I guarantee you that shit ain't ain't under forty-five minutes. I, I guarantee you. I literally guarantee you. Uh let's let's think of let's think of one out for together. Um let's go with uh Tribe Called Quest. Anything Tribe Call Quest, okay? So let me let me I'm I'm doing it, I'm doing I'm doing it, right? Tribe Call Quest. Uh low end theory forty eight minutes. Tribe Called Quest, forty eight minutes. Midnight Marauders, fifty one minutes. So what we're do, we doing here? Uh, let's go for another group. Uh, let's go for Gangstar. There you go, Gangstar. Right? Again, guarantee you, none over, none, none under uh, 40, 45 minutes. Oh, there you go. Step into the arena. Fifty minutes. Um, let's go for another one. Hard to earn. Fifty-eight minutes. So I'm just, I, I just wonder. I'm not, you know, I'm not shitting. I'm just saying, I, I've, I've I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not sure when this era was. I'm not sure when this era was, so I just, just want to, uh, short albums were commonplace, I just want to know what era that was. Is that the 2000s? Um, maybe it was, because it definitely weren't the 90s, so I'm just wondering anyway. Let's continue on. Uh, and the initial reaction was encouraging. The uh, album debuted at number 21, the Bill 200, and sold more than 20,000 copies in its first week. This was the second highest debut of Staples' career. Second highest? Oh, debut, I mean, like first week, okay. I was like, how do you have a second debut? <laughs> <laughs> Staples' career, with one, re- one reviewer la- in the album as a piece of art. Uh, but in streaming First World, is it really possible for shorter albums to make a comeback? What comeback? Seriously, guys, what comeback? I'm going to do it again cuz he he said it twice. I I'm just asking. I'm just asking when was this era? I just don't know. Maybe in grime circles cuz I remember I I know like um you know I know uh Skepta's albums haven't been none of them have been over an hour. Uh I think like one of them was like 30 30 odd minutes like so you know. I I know I know grime life for uh, you know have haven't been too long but you know these days, you know, jo- All-American Badass, Joey Badass, that was 49 minutes. Uh, Commons B was 42 minutes, there you go. Is that it? Is that, is that what you count the constitute? 40, the 42 minutes? Maybe, I guess. If you want to go for that, if you want to pitch a tent to that. Uh, Dre's Compton, an hour. Uh, obviously, Kendrick's is, are, are all long. So well, I, I, I just, you know, I'm just asking, I'm just asking, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, Grown Over Life, French Free 2, 50 minutes uh pff, i mean nazi was f- literally just under 40 minutes 39 minutes so is that what you're talking about an incredible true story logic hour and one minutes uh I, I, i'm just saying i'm just saying i don't know what era that you're talking about here i'd love to uh, honestly uh mr aziz adam aziz hit me up i'd love to actually have this conversation of like when this came about and, uh, and also about the article itself um but anyway let's continue i'm gonna leave it there is a uh, quote, there is a definitely a conscious decision uh, to how many songs are on it, uh, the album. Uh, it's a streaming strategy, said Hovain Hilton, president of management at a cinematic music group, home to artists such as Camrong and Smoke Dizzer. Um To understand why the music industry believes more is better, look no further than how Billboard calculates album sales. In 2018, Billboard adjusted its weighting uh, around streams to album sales. Uh, every 1,500 streams of a song from an album are the equivalent of one album sale. So an album with 15 more or more songs likely stands a greater chance of attracting more streams than a 10-track project. For labels, the more songs on the album, the greater opportunity for artists to achieve coveted spots on playlists, and the greater likelihood the album will achieve record industry, uh, the R-I-A-A, uh, can't be able to say the whole name, Golden Platinum, surf, uh, become Golden Platinum. Um, and those achievements can help uh, sell an nice to a brand. Uh, quote, the records. Oh, <laughs> God, this dude. Um, the record labels are keenly aware of consumption habits, analytics, and trends, says Brian Z Zizouk, uh, a co founder and vice president of content operations at Music Stream App Service AudioMac. Quote, they are undeniably the driving force behind the construction of these massively long albums, unquote. Still, the change was a revelation for artists. Uh, of a certain age. Quote, Wayne had never released an album in the streaming era. Lil Wayne's manager, Mac Main, said of 2018 release of The Carter Five. Everybody was like, yo, you gotta put more tracks on there because that'll get the streams up. Unquote. In a pre-streaming era, whether an artist had 20 songs on an album or 10 songs, what mattered most was the CD sale ringing in at the register. Main, president of Young Money, uh, record label uh, recalled the thought process around uh, crafting longer albums such as 500 Degrees, which was in 2002. Quote, Wayne's thinking process from what he and I spoke about was we look at our albums as feeding the people like food, um, as feeding the people like food, Uh, so he always wanted to make sure the consumer was full after they listened to the album, he said, but the trend uh, towards longer albums may be changing, quote, we have a project coming out soon, that will be only uh, 10 or 11 joints, said Main of a forthcoming Lil Wayne album. Uh, others in the industry believe changes to record con- recording contracts may nudge this trend forward. Quote, I think we could eventually start seeing more singles, deals and contracts structured around what makes sense in today's marketplace, says Suzuki. Uh, Many of these artists finding fame through TikTok or social media don't necessarily have an album, let alone multiple albums in them, Qu- unquote. That is fascinating to think about actually. Um, if, like, you know, these, these some of these people aren't I uh, not, not honest, but aren't album artists. And there are such people. You are either an album artist uh, or a features artist even, um, or a albumized. And I feel like there are those kind of, there are those delineations for certain uh, artists especially in hip-hop space. Um, where was I at? Uh, many of these uh, artists finding fame through TikTok uh, all social media don't. Yeah, sorry, I've said, I said that quote. And as music fans' choices uh, for entertainment grow with a variety of all of you, all you can consume streaming services from TV, film, gaming, and a large amount of music discovery happening outside of Spotify on platforms such as TikTok and Twitch. The intentional stuffing of albums to boost streaming numbers numbers may begin to wane. Uh, the construction of longer albums to boost open week streams, I think, will decrease as we see the total runtime of individual tracks to continue c- continue to decrease, As uh, Zizouk said. Non-storytelling artists are the best suited getting in and out of tracks, unquote. Rap's golden era was built on storytelling and track taking listeners on a journey. Such, artists such as Nas, Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, and others wrote uh, screenplays as much as they were writing rap songs. Juxtapose this with new research stating that TikTok is the number one place. Ugh uh for dis- new music discovery for use on the platform. Most uh new artists on TikTok need to grab the attention of someone with a catchy hook or easy to follow, uh call and response or dance relay, lyrics quickly, and even storytelling in the past. Hot take, um I like the box as a chorus, the rest of the song is bit and the beat. The beat's good, but um yeah. The the verses do not sound good to me. I just don't like the verses, um that's just an example for me because I, I I don't really keep up with that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's unlikely any change in album lengths will happen quickly. Of all the albums that hit number one in the top rap album charts in t- 2021, only one, J. Cole's The Offseason, is less than 40 minutes long. It's also the only album to feature a few in the 15 songs. Recent top 10 albums by Drake and Kanye were bloated affairs, each clocking it well, o- well over one hour in length. Still, critical reception for the new Drake and West albums was mixed, with many fans cre- uh, creating their playlists condensing the projects to perceived uh, to perceive better quality and less time-consuming listen. Uh, what, I en- uh, quote, what I enjoyed about uh, enjoyed the most about Vince's new album is his brevity," said Zook. In a world where consumer-free uh, time is limited, how we choose to spend that time requires calculation. If I have an hour to listen to new music, actively or passively, I might be more interested in listening to three shorter 20-minute projects and pressing play on a slog of a 23-track hour-plus hour plus album. Unquote. Um, there was a time when concise rap... Here we go again. Here, <laughs> there was a time when concise rap albums uh, ruled the day. It was called the Hip Hop's Golden Era, Ran it roughing... Roughly spanning the mid-80s to mid-90s. If we look at LA Weekly's uh, list of top 20 Golden Age hip-hop albums, most are under an hour, a few in the 15 songs, including 10-song projects such as Big Daddy Kane's debut album Long Live the Kane. Only one Ultramagnetic MC's uh, critical beatdown clocks in over 21 tracks and over an hour long. Um, How much time do I have? Uh, Can I get through this? Um, I'll say this one quick quote here. Uh, Not a quote, but a quick line here. Uh, paragraph: uh, Whether or not the music industry begins to move away from albums or starts to reduce the trend around bloated track lists, one thing is certain, and that is quality, repay value, and the creation of timeless music will never go out of style. And that's kind of my that's kind of my thought. That's kind of my thought. Um, I I don't really care really um, about uh, how long an album is. Um, it's it, it I think is pretty clear um, from like the first day uh, an album's out. And how people are talking about it, if it's actually worth listening, um, and not not even like worth listening, but more more um, if the if it's justified to be as long as it is or as short as it is, um, I feel like people make that distinction pretty quickly, and uh, it saves me time because I just go to people, some people, and I'm just like, did you listen to this? Uh, is it even worth the you know twenty million tracks that are on it? No, most of the time, so I leave it, <clears throat> but um, you know. I'm looking at, um, you know, uh, Little Sims' is Sometimes I Might Be Introvert on the left of me. And that was, uh, I think, 2019, 20, 20 tracks. How many? Uh, yeah, 19 tracks uh, over an hour. And, you know, it's one of my favourite albums of the past couple of years. So, <laughs> you know, take that what you will. I think, I don't think it matters. I really don't think it matters. Uh, it, 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 the only thing that matters is the artists. Um, are they Are they doing it in good faith? Although they're doing it in bad faith. I feel like Kanye and Drake did it in bad faith. I feel like Migos culture, th- Culture 2, if I remember correctly, uh, was done in bad faith. I think uh, Shrem Life 3 uh, is a perfect example that pissed me off like a fucking triple album. That was done in bad faith. That was done because streaming, num- streaming get the numbers up, uh, add more music. And most of it was just crap. So, you know, a lot of these artists do it in bad faith. And I feel like you can clock that pretty easily. So, um,. You know, it, it really depends on whether the artist is doing it in bad faith or good faith. I really, truly believe that, especially in this streaming days, because you know, if you're, if and and, and especially on you know on the, on the shorter front, it's so clear when, bro, it's so clear, it's so super clear that Drake did two C slide for the TikTok audience, had the darts, had everything, the catchy hook, that was it, that was it, that's what, that was so, that was clearly it. You might call it good faith for the fact that it's so obvious, but I call it bad faith because that's not a song. That's a ringtone. It's ringtone rap. It's new ringtone rap. Oh, fucking hell. I'm, I've just, damn, I've, I've just fell on a fucking goldmine. I'm going to leave it there, but Jesus Christ, that is an article right there waiting to be written. So if anyone wants to go for it, go for it. So hop into our second life segment, and this is all about Facebook. Yeah, yeah. You, you think I'm gonna miss my chance to cheat on Facebook? Yeah. yeah come on. Who, who, who do you think I am? Um, seriously, I, I, it was actually a great tweet by uh, Miss Nicole Hannah Jones, um, amazing journalist. Um, yeah. So yeah, she's uh, she she tweeted something like um, of the I'm paraphrasing, but she was like, uh, when I when I hopped off Facebook uh, the four days, I missed it in I missed it in the first four days, and then after that. It just, if, it was nothing. And uh, that's exactly how I felt. Like, you know, a couple of days I was just like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to, I, I don't know if I'm lasting this, you know what I mean? But then if you give it a week, oh my gosh, best, the best, the best. Oh, so great. It feels it feels great. It feels great not to be in this ecosystem. Obviously, I'm on IG. I don't want to be on WhatsApp. but I have to be for my work at the moment. So, you know, it is what it is. But, um, you know, Facebook is just a cesspool. It, 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 ha- it has been for years and it always will be in my mind um, and uh, actually cesspool is probably putting it lightly considering if it, the lives it affects but you know that's neither here nor there <clears throat> so uh, we're not talking about the outages um, that you know Facebook, IG, WhatsApp had the other day um, you know we could but I'd rather not instead we're going to talk about this uh, this uh, internal evidence and the whistleblowing um, given by Mr. Francis ha- Haugen I think that's how you say her name um She's gone public, and uh, she will probably get sued out the fucking ass by Facebook. Um, but you know, she's done a good thing here. Um, so I found this uh, great article uh, via Vox Recode uh, by Shirin Gafari. and it's called uh, "Why This Facebook Scandal Is Different." And uh, I found that that's kind of uh, that's kind of a a perfect headline for this because what she said in you know in the you know basically in the whistleblowing. Um, is uh, not new, right? Not most of the stuff isn't new, but it's the fact that she's a former Facebook employee, uh, a, a former product manager um, on the on Facebook Civic Integrity team, which it says in this article here. Um, that that means a lot. That does mean a lot. Breaking that silence, you know, knowing you're just going to get absolutely reamed legally from this, um, that's brave. So, it's a salute to Francis on this front, just straight up, uh, straight straight off the bat, salute to uh, Francis Halgen on this front. But let's get into the article right here. On Sunday evening, a former Facebook employee who has previously uh, yeah, previously revealed damning internal documents about the company uh, came forward on 60 Minutes to reveal her identity. Frances Haugen, former product manager on Facebook's Civic Integrity team, shared documents that were the basis of an explosive series of articles in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the reports revealed that the company knew its products can cause meaningful harm, including negatively impacting the mental health of teens, But here, uh, it still has not made major changes to fix such problems. It can't fix it. You know how it can fix it? If they just kill the app. If they kill Instagram, because obviously that means the you know the health of men, health of teens is pertaining to Instagram. They're not going to kill off Instagram. They're not. They're not. They're not going to change Instagram that hard. They're going to like do all this um you know on the face like you know uh, Instagram is you know if Instagram's not real you know they're going to throw that on you know promotional shit and you know it don't fucking matter anyway. Uh, Quote, there are conflicts of interest, there you go, conflicts of interest between what was good for the public and what was good for Facebook. And Facebook over and over again chose to optimize for its own interest, like making more money, uh, unquote, said Haugen in the 60 Minutes interview on Sunday. She also shared new allegations, uh, not previously covered in the WSJ's extensive reporting, about Facebook allegedly relaxing its standards on misinformation after the 2020 presidential elections, shortly ahead of the January 6th riots at the US Capitol. Uh, why would you, why would you, why would you let go of the, oh, fucking hell, point question, no, don't point, no point asking, wasting time, uh, in an internal staff memo obtained and published on Friday by the New York Times, Facebook, uh, Vice President of Global Affairs, Nick <laughs> Clegg, Cleggers is back, Cleggers is back in the news, fucking hell, no amount of money you could get me on Facebook, man, no amount of money, like, he must be getting paid bags, but Fuck. Just to be there. Oh gosh, that, what a job! What a stressful fucking job that must be. No amount of money could save me. No amount of money is worth it for that for that piss piss poor job. Anyway, uh, wrote that the responsibility for January six quote uh, rests squarely with the perpetrators of the violence. Of course, of course, um, and those in politics and elsewhere who actively encouraged them. Uh, Clegg also wrote that Facebook is not a quote primary cause of polarization unquote. Glorious. Earn that cash right there. I mean, I say that, but all you have to say, all you have to say is that kind of shit, and it, like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not part of it. Well, we're not a big part of it anyway. Like, just, just easy. Uh, Facebook has been mired in PR and political crises uh, for the past five years, but this is a staggering moment for the company and the billions of people who use its products. Already, in response to the documents revealed by Halgen, the whistleblower, the company has paused development of its Instagram for kids products. Oh, no, 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 Not gonna happen. Dude, no, dude, no, that's not it chief. That is not it chief. Yeah. Poor, poor. don't just pause that development. Stop, eject, throw that shit out the window document. Uh development, sorry. Throw that shit out. Throw that in the bin. God damn, that's a, oh, that's a hell. That's a new cyber of hell. Uh, brought two executives... I don't even have children, I'm scared. Uh, brought two executives before Congress to testify a, and launched a PR offensive, dismissing uh, the uh, WSJ's uh, reporting as cherry-picking. Glorious. Uh, Haugen has also shared internal Facebook documents with lawmakers and is expected to testify before members of Congress on Tuesday. In fact, she, uh, it's already gone, by the way. Uh, the fact that she is coordinating with lawmakers reflects how politicians on both sides of the aisle are viewing social media companies like Facebook with more concern, and that they're com- becoming more adept at scrutinising them. I mean, one of them asked, like, well, will you delete Finster? And I was just like, oh, fucking hell, America's fucking doomed. Like, Imagine your politician saying that. Fuck me. Fucking will you delete Finster, you fucking idiot. Like is there nobody of is there nobody under thirty in in that place? Like fuck me, man. Anyway, quote: This is the first time I can remember anything this dramatic with anonymous whistleblower, this many documents, and a big reveal. Said Katie Harbath, uh, a uh, former director of public policy at Facebook, who is now a fellow at the Bipartisan Policy Center and the Atlantic Council. While plenty of Facebook employees have spoken out against the company anonymously, anonymously or internally, only a handful, particularly at high-ranking level, um, have ever spoken out on the record against Facebook. And never before they ha- have they revealed such detailed evidence that the company seemingly understands but ignores systemic har- uh, harm harms it causes. Nor has a Facebook defector has this kind of press rollout. First, a series of investigative reports of the major publication then unveiling on primetime television and soon testimony before Congress, all within the span of just a few weeks. The extent to which Facebook seemingly knew about the harmful effects of its products, and within that knowledge from uh, the public has caused lawmakers such as Senator Richard Blumenthal uh, to compare the company's tactics to those of big tobacco. Uh, Facebook has already responded to the allegations with defence from a familiar playbook, similar to its response to President Joe Biden's criticism that the pro- uh, platform was killing people because of the spread of COVID-19 misinformation on the platform. Uh, the company and its leaders are arguing that the allegations are sensationalised and untrue, uh, that information is being taken out of context, and that Facebook isn't the only one to blame for the world's problems. And? the <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man, like, come on, <laughs> come on, guys, is that your best, we're not the only, like, we're not to blame, we're not just the only one to blame, you're still to blame, though, bruv, you're taking a piece of the pie, fam, like, come on, fucking childish response, that is, what a childish excuse, what the fuck, he, um, he, he did it as well, like, what the fuck, dumb asses. anyway, um, uh, where was I? And and just like it did during the uh, recent Biden and Facebook COVID-19 misinformation debate, Facebook has questioned the credibil- credibility of outside research on how its platforms function. Uh, this time, the company went so far as to discredit some of its internal researchers' findings about Instagram's negative effects on teenagers' mental health. Last week, it distributed an annotated version of the original uh, research that was first published in the journal. In its its annotated slides, Facebook said that its uh, researchers' slide titles, uh, quote, may be sensationalizing, unquote, findings uh, that Instagram can negatively contribute to teenage girls' body image issues. The company also said the size of the study was limited. The fact that the company is uh, disputing the top-line findings of its staff's research shows just how damaging the reporting coming out of the Whistleblowers documents are, and how urgently the company is moving to change the narrative, quote, "Uh, It's a big moment. Uh, well, yeah, it's a big moment, said Yal Eisenstadt, uh, form- Facebook's former global head of elections integrity operations. God, they have a lot of global heads of stuff. Jesus. Uh, she has been a vocal critic of the company since she left in November 2018. Quote, uh, for years, we've known many of these issues via journalism researchers, but Facebook has been able to claim that they have an axe to grind, and uh, so we shouldn't trust what they say. This time documents speak for themselves, she told Recode. Uh, I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip to the end because there's a lot of uh, just uh, you know quotations about Zuckerberg and what he's been doing about it, uh, and I, I just don't care. Um, here we go. Uh, but Haugen coming forward is about much more than one individual. Uh, in revealing thousands of documents involving the work of many people at the company, which was subsequently largely ignored by top executives, this whistleblower has reignited long debates inside and outside the company about Facebook's flaws. Uh, quote, Haugen has provided an unvarnished and unprecedented look at the extent to which Facebook executives have knowingly disregarded the life and death consequences of their own products and decisions. Uh Jessie uh <coughs> I'm gonna say Lairick, uh co founder of the policy nonprofit accountable tech told recode, uh, and she's paved the way for others to speak out, unquote. And I hope and I hope more people come forward. I really do. Um I you know, yeah, I uh, you guys already know my stance I think Facebook should be dead. Um I think Facebook um, has no um you know obviously from a local perspective I think there's some cases for it. Um you know hyper local news and stuff like that and hyper local just events going on. Um obviously like you know your friend's birthday party or whatever. But I feel like um I feel like even in that case like uh, if you're a teenager like are you serious is Facebook seriously your first portal call? I don't think it is, um, especially when it comes to messaging. I'd, I really don't think it should be, or it is. Um, I'm not sure for a fact. So maybe the data says different. The people still on Facebook? Uh, you know, the users still use Facebook like that, like I did back in 2012 or whatever it was. Um, you know, I had to use it in university for, you know, just setting up a just because just cause everyone was on it. You know what I mean? Um, it's just more universal that way, and we can just get in messenger groups and stuff like that. It was very easy. Um, but, you know, apart from that, you know, apart from some minor use cases, I I really don't see Facebook as a positive in any fashion. Um, you know, from a national perspective, from a global spe- perspective, um, there is just nothing. There's nothing there. It's uh, soulless. It's it's soulless. It's, um, it's, soulless, it's uh, just predatory in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, you know, they just don't give a shit. They they don't give a shit whether people live or die on this front uh maybe they're not the sole reason for it but they're fucking damn sure a symptom of why the why person a died or you know or person a uh, or person b has you know serious depression and uh you know serious anxiety about their body whatever you know what i mean just it, it, it does point blank more harm than good and i i challenge you to argue that argue differently i really really do if you do, you probably, you're probably probably mixed Clegg and you're getting paid for <laughs> <It's a> time. <laughs> so I finish up on Filmer TV and uh, I'm here to give you a little bit of Black History guys as I like to do every time I possibly can regardless if it's October or not. Um, So this is called I Went Wherever There Was Fighting How Sam the Wheels Filmed Brixton Ablaze. This is by Steve Rose in The Guardian. Uh, And I I read this and I was just like, uh, I was absolutely fascinated. Absolutely fascinated about this. Um, About this guy, about this man and about his story. Um, So let's jump right in. Quote, I used to keep my camera like this. Says Clovis Salmon. Uh, I'm going to say Salmon, not Salmon, but I'm just going to say Salmon, because uh, it's spelled like that. Uh, putting his 1960s wind-up Kodak brownie inside his jacket uh, so that ju- <laughs> so that just the lens is poking out. Quote, then I don't need to do anything. I turn around, the camera turn with me. Unquote. He swivels his torso to either side. For a 94-year-old, he's in remarkably good shape. This is how he filmed the Brixton Riots in 1981. In the streets right outside the 198 Art Gallery where we are talking. Today, the scene on uh, Railton Road is of a gentrifying multicultural neighbourhood with coffee shops and delis. But for a few days in April 1981, this was a conflict zone of burning buildings, looting, riot police and angry people. Quote, I saw the black boys take away the fire engine and drive up the road, says Salman. Uh, I saw the post uh, office burned down, the garage burned down, everything. Uh, Salman had to keep his camera concealed. He explains because if you do like this, yeah, if you do like this, he holds it to his eye. Uh, police would come and take it away, or the boys come up and mash it up. "Unquote." Salmon was an amateur, but he chronicled the riots like a professional reporter. "Quote." For three days, I went up and down different places. Everywhere I heard that they were fighting. Riding my bike, and I always take my camera with me. Anything I saw, I filmed. Uh, it helped that Salmon was a local and pretty much uh, the only one out and about with a film camera. He came to Brixton from Jamaica. That was an unquote, by the way. I thought there was more. Uh, he came to Brixton from Jamaica in the 1950s and still lives there today. Indeed, he is something of a local legend known as Sam the Wheels for his bicycle know-how. Uh, it wasn't just a riot. Salmon b- had been uh, documenting Brixton life for about 20 years prior to that and continued to do so for decades after. He says he has about 50,000 feet of film. Mu- Jesus Christ, just imagine that. 50k feet of film. Uh, m- much of which remains unseen. His list of formats, uh, formats tells its own history. Quote, Standards 8, Super 8, Betamax, VHS, DISC. I always make sure I have more than one copy. Uh, unquote. As such, uh, Selma's recordings represent a unique archive of post-war black British life. From the viewpoint of the community themselves you could go further and argue that they're actually a form of outsider art. Salmon's original motivation well, to make films was to show his new life in Britain to his family in, uh, back in Jamaica. He first experimented with audio tape, he says, quote, uh, but it didn't work out that well, so I decided to turn into, uh, to turn to film. We have no experience, nothing at all. Unquote. He bought a camera and a projector and began teaching himself, mostly by trial and error. His first films were of his local church services and music performances. The all-black congregation, smartly dressed and wearing hats. In later years, Samuel was also a Pentecostal minister. Um, As he upgraded his equipment and refined his skills, people began asking him to film birthdays, baptisms, weddings and other occasions. Quote, I was making no money, he laughs. Sometimes I do things for people. They promise to give me money, but they never give me. Uh, I've worked around here for 47 years and didn't get 200 pounds. It's all out of my pocket. Uh, It wasn't cheap either. Quote, another quote. uh, Kodak film at that time, 4 minutes 10 seconds was 5 quid. That was a lot. Uh, But there was a shop that used to sell Russian standard 8 film and it was about 30 shillings, which is one 50 equivalent. uh, So I go down there, unquote. Uh, Salman also took his camera out into the streets. His uh, footage captures local landmarks such as Brookston Market and long-gone shops, fashions, and vehicles. It records everyday life, children playing on the street, mothers sweeping the pavement outside their homes. He also shot some of the first manifestations of the growing Caribbean community. Restaurants, neighbourhood playgrounds, and the wholesale cash-and-carry shop. Uh, As his skills uh, developed, he began to edit his footage into short films, adding his own voiceovers, almost assuming the persona of a tour guide. He mixed in footage and uh, and sound from other f- sources, such as the TV news or his gospel records. The effect is often collage-like, admittedly scrappy, but distinctive and strangely captivating. It could quite it could sit quite easily alongside the work of avant-garde filmmakers of the time, such as Derek Jarman. Quote, "I'm determined to bring him into the film conversation," says Mark Seely, director of arts at a, a arts agency Autograph, which focuses on race and cultural identity. I think he's very special. He hasn't done cultural studies or photography degrees. He's just someone who had a compulsion to load that camera with film. "Unquote." Seely is presenting Salman's work at the Barbican in uh, London later this month as part of a a part of the Decolonising Lens, which show ca- sh- me, bleh, word, word fart, which showcases diverse perspectives in uh, photography and film. Our understanding of modern Britain, Seely argues, is incomplete without them. "Quote." I've often said the story of Black Britain still lies underneath people's beds. It's still there to be. I don't like the word "discovered," but I like to. But I think it's still there to be recognised. Unquote. Salmon came to the uh, UK in November 1957, part of the Windrush generation. He still remembers the train journey from Plymouth. Quote: Coming into London, we saw lots of houses with chimneys on top, and we thought, "Boy, there's a lot of work in London. A lot of factories around." Unquote. Uh, houses in Jamaica j- did not, of course, have chimneys. Sadly, Salmon remembers how unwelcoming Britain was to Caribbean immigrants back then. Quote, my biggest mistake, he said with a laugh, uh, I only bought a one-way ticket. <laughs> Unquote. Oh, lovely. Uh, in Jamaica, uh, Salmon ran a successful cycle shop, uh, making three to four, three <laughs> three to four hundred pounds a week. <laughs> I know it says three three hundred to four hundred, but I just saw three. I was like... How you make it three pounds a week? But yeah, nice no, three hundred to four hundred a week. I'm assuming, hopefully. Um, but then it says in seconds, in the next sentence in the UK, he was lucky to be taken home five quid. So what do I know? Uh, <laughs> it, eventually, he eventually found work as a cycle mechanic. I would excel at building wheels twice as fast as his white colleagues, with which caused some friction. Oh, I can imagine. Um, oh, you think you're better than us? Yeah, I could. Oh gosh, the 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 uh, the inferiority complex would be beaming out of them. Uh, Salmon is in no doubt uh, why bri- uh, why the Brixton riots happened. Quote, the police, they were to blame when they uh, brought in the SUS laws. Uh, then, uh, unquote, then as now the SUS laws which empower the police to stop and search suspect uh, cri- suspect suspected criminals on the street were disproportionately applied to people of colour. Compounded by high Im- unemployment and crime rates in the 1970s, they exacerbated deteriorating relations excuse me, uh, between black community black communities, and the Metropolitan Police. Salman recalls driving his car through nearby Clapham and being pulled over by two policemen who refused to believe the vehicle was his. Another time, he was informed that his son had been arrested on suspicion of pickpocketing. The policeman claimed to have caught him in the act, even though his son was at work at the time and had a rock-solid alibi. It was unjust, but Salman didn't take any further action. Quote, Because if you attack the police, they would pick on your son. Many black youths in those days uh, went to prison because the police they, the police, uh, put things on them, whether they, uh, whether or not they were guilty. A lot of parents were afraid to send their children out in the street, even to go to buy something from the shop, because they'd always end up at the station, unquote. Salman's films shot in the immediate aftermath of the uh, riots show a landscape of overturned cars, burned out buildings still smoking, littered streets full of police, fire service and on, uh, fire services and onlookers. People from the community he interviews on the street are are forthright in their opinions. Quote, jobs, money, National Front, and all the rest. We just had enough, so we just explode. Uh, The black youth, I think they're just standing up for themselves. They, the police, uh, caused all of this. Uh, That was a free quote, by the way. Although problems persist, uh, Brixton today is 100% better, says Salman. Uh, you can walk freely now. You can see black boys with white girls, black girls with white boys. Everyone is one now, unquote. Where white Londoners once refused to rent, a re- rent him a room, now his neighbours look out for him. Since retiring, Salmon has uh, run a cycle repair business out of his home, but he has not completely stopped making films. Sandy Hudson Francis, who spent two years making a documentary about Salmon called Super Sam, uh, gave him an iPhone uh, that he has been playing around with. Uh, meanwhile, 198 is 198. Sorry, is uh, currently digitizing 62 reels of Salmon's footage for its archives. He is happy to see his work being recognized at last. Quote, I feel on top of the world now, he says, and there is hopefully more to come. No one quite knows how much more material is squirreled away inside Salmon's house, not even him. Quote, someone asked me the other day, Sam, how did you manage to make so many films? I said, determination, unquote. And yeah, man. I, I just I these stories just fuel me, man. That, like stories like this just really put a battery in my back. You know, um, thinking about. I mean, especially now of of the reason you know, of partly reason why I have a camera, right? I'm not taking it out every single day, um, like I like I like. But honestly, I don't go out every day. I go out to walk the dog every day, so i go i do go out every day technically um but you know there's only so many times I could take pictures of the dog, you know what i mean so <laughs> I already have enough pictures of the dog <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> you know what i mean there's enough of that um so you know uh, i'm actually going to i'm I'm going to the cinema when this day, when this episode drops um in b f i in london uh, south Lo- south bank in london um to see the harder they fall and i'm gonna take my camera and i'm gonna take plenty of pictures. And that's that's what those you know. Whenever those days come about, I relish. Um, I relish now. I'm I'm so excited to go. Um, partly just because I'm gonna be taking pictures, and it's gonna be outstanding to look at. Uh, I'm gonna take a couple of pictures of my dad. Hopefully, if he's you know photogenic enough, I'm not sure if he's photogenic or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Feel you, you know, get drop drop a couple of poses. You know what I mean, I mean just. You know, get the get, get the G stances going. Um, uh, you know, get leaning. I don't know, I don't know what we'll do. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm i want to do that, and uh, you know, and I'm gonna edit them. I'm gonna lash a couple of to a couple of to him. You know, and he can look at them for himself, and then, you know, later down that, and that's that's it. It's preservation. You know, what I mean, it's it's preserving, and uh, um, you know, and that's that's just my personal life. But um, shout out to Sam the Wheels who's been doing, you know, basically the whole community of Brixton a favour. Um. You know th- those kind of things are so rare, and uh, every time I try, every time I look at you know archives such as that, and how just detailed they are, you know, in 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 in, in all in all the mundanity of it, it's just so. It's it's so it's, it's a fulfilment there. You know, it just, it just fills you up, Re- regardless of what, even what's happening, like, usually it's just nothing happening, it's just people walking about, but you get so much from it, you know, you get the environment, um, you may not get, like, you know, the smells of it or whatever, but, you know, you get the sights, you get the, you see the colour sometimes, obviously depending on what time it is, time of, a uh, 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 what, di- uh, you know, time period it is, but, um, you know, you get the colour, you get the fashion, you get, you see how people look, you you know, love them wearing hats, and you, and I always wonder why, pe- why hats have gone so out of fashion, you know what I mean, I've, I never wear hats, I'm just, I just don't think I have a head for hats, um, but <laughs> that's just me, but you know, people don't, people used to wear hats, like, cars, dudes anyway, most of the time, um, you know, dudes mostly wear ha- hats a lot of the time, and it's just fascinating how that's gone, that's always an observation I keep thinking about, when I see archives of that, uh, around that time, of the AAs, um, so yeah, man. Uh, shout out to this story. It it completely warms me. I love these. Sto- I love stories like this. Um. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'll find more of them. Um. As the time as time passes in the and every time I will drop him here. Uh. Because yeah, it's uh, it's abs. This it's, it's absolute perfection to me. Um. In just uh the essence of what it is. Um. You know, just people living life, and uh, covering the mundaneity, but also you know, the literal cultural flashpoint that was the Brooklyn riots, so uh, shout out to Sam the Wheels, and uh, you know, hope you'll get to see some of that digitised uh, archive soon, and with that said, ladies and gentlemen, leave it at that from the Fifth and Podcast Network, I'm with Shai Taylor this has been What's Good Intro Music Has Been Too Much by Vanilla. You can find his link in the full show notes. Thanks to Job Records for please use track. You can also find their link in the full show notes. Thanks to Nappy High for the ability to use uh, Charismatic for the interlude. You can also find his link in the full show notes. And with that said, I hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.